Hey, before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you an update on some changes that I'm making to The Tim Gavin Show. There are some parts of this podcast that I try to put in as much time and effort to make it as accurate and as entertaining as I possibly can. And I try to put in a lot of research into things as well. But I want to keep coming up with new episodes each week and still give myself a little more time to put into researching the topics that I cover on The Tim Gavin Show. I've decided to make Still the Number One into its own standalone episode along with some other small bits of discussion outside of what you've come to expect on this podcast. And I have some really cool stuff coming your way, especially this episode. Welcome to The Tim Gavin Show, a holistic look at music and pop culture. This week on Still the Number One, we are going back to the classics. Back to a simpler time. Or at least a time considered simpler by anyone who was there. Back to the summer of love, a time when hippies were in the spotlight and many songs would gain their place in the pop culture canon. But how many of the singles in that day still hold up? How many bad songs were on that chart? Let's find out. We're going back to 1969. It's been a while since we've done this. We've kind of gotten lazy on it. I know, like last week you were off, which I mean, totally understandable. Uh, so I just reused some old audio and uh, then we, uh, we, Put this one together at the last second. <laughs> but really, you know, I think some of the last second stuff that we do, it makes for just really good audio and just really good content overall. Absolutely. And for anyone who's ever listened to either one of our podcasts, you can probably guess as to who picked this year. Yep. This week, all the way back in 1969. Nice. 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 And this is actually a really nice year for music, too. Like, I was actually kind of surprised going back to this year and seeing exactly how much of this music I, I recognize, especially stuff that we still play on the radio sometimes. Uh, yeah, and then there's some of the ones that, you know, you don't necessarily uh, hear all that often or didn't really make it all that big and have not a lot of staying day and age. Which is kind of amazing for the for the number one song this week in 1969, and it's one that tries to look to the future, all the way up to the year 2525. And I believe in this one they like also go into like further years, also ending in the fives. Like I think they go all the way up to 9595 in the lyrics, something like that. And obviously, ballsy move trying to predict the future, but. I feel like they do it in kind of a preachy way here. Let's say that we're talking about Zagger and Evans in the year 2525. Give a little bit of context here. Also, the first time that I heard this song was actually as a parody in Futurama. Really? Yeah, it was in one of the newer episodes. It's where they take a time machine, but the time machine cannot go backwards. Right. It can only go forwards. I, I remember that now. It's actually one of my favorite episodes of the whole series, too. And this is a song that, you know, you don't hear all that often anymore on the radio. I know when we were, uh, when I was working down in Medicine Hat, we played it there specifically on our, like, Sunday morning oldie show and stuff like that. Yeah, but, this is still a pretty popular one for, like, real oldies. Yeah, stations. not necessarily classic hits, but oldies. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense because looking at the lyrics, this is like, this is the future the liberals want kind of lyrics. Like, 
Chorus two, in the year 3535, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you do, think, do, and say is in the pill you took today. Oh, real spooky. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, on this uh, on this list, in the top 10, uh, number 10 was Harry Mancini and his orchestra with the love theme from Romeo and Juliet. That is a great one, too. It's also an instrumental. Number nine, we got Andy Kim, Baby, I Love You. I think he's like one of the few Canadian artists on this chart at the time, too. Yeah, there's actually a couple of Canadian artists on here. Uh, but nonetheless, number eight, The Beatles with the Ballad of John and Yoko. Which is like, I feel like that's one of the one of the like not as famous Beatles songs. It's just kind of there. Yeah, it, 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 you hear it every so often, but not all the time. Uh, number seven, Three Dog Night with one. I found out this is a cover. It's a cover? It's a cover. Harry Nilsson did it first. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's also a really big karaoke song, too. Every time that I used to host karaoke, uh, one of my buddies, he would sing that every single night and totally rock the house with it. Oh, nice. Uh, Number six, Oliver, Good Morning, Starshine. It was one of the few top ten songs that I hadn't gotten around to listening to yet. But... Uh yeah, same here. Uh, number five, J.R. Walker and the All-Stars of What Does It Take to Win Your Love? That one's a decent song. I, I like the, the R&B vibes going on in there. <laughs> number four was uh, Stevie Wonder with My Sharia Moore. Which I think is the best song on this chart. Such a great song. Still holds up so well to this day. Number three, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Spinning Wheel. There's another CanCon for you. Yeah, and... I think that's another, it's another really great song. It's probably the song on this chart that I have listened to the most just from our job. Mm-hmm. It would Absolutely. always be one of those that kind of, that came up because again, Canadian artist. I would say next to Baby I Love You, I think is probably the one that we would, one of the ones that we would play most often. Yeah. Number two is Tommy James and the Shondells with Crystal Blue Persuasion. I actually really like that song. That is too. a great song. Yeah. Like it's just it's relaxing. It feels like a sunrise. Okay, I could see that. I see your point. Yeah. <laughs> You're just so relaxed already talking about it. Uh also on the list, uh one that peaked at this position, which I thought it would honestly be higher. Number thirteen, Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline. Right? I can't believe it is so low on the chart. Well, I mean, it is relatively high. But considering that out of every single song on this chart, this is the one that people would know the most. This has probably the most staying power. And it's simply because try going to any sort of event or sporting event or some something along those lines that song plays and everyone is bop bop buying every single one <laughs> you, even it, and it goes from you know people who uh are who grew up listening to this song right down to kids know this song too because of their parents right yeah do you like the song it's it's i find it's a lot I think it's a lot overplayed, but at the same time, every time it comes on, I am also going ba ba ba. I know it's for me. It's all about the crowd. I'm not the kind of person who will go out of their way to listen to this song, but I'm always happy to hear it. Yeah, whenever it comes up at a public event. I think we can uh, both agree on that one. Yeah. 
Uh, number 16, CCR, Bad Moon Rising. Great song. Totally. And it's kind of amazing how short CCR's whole career was, too. Because, like, it's it started in the late 60s, ended pretty abruptly in the early 70s as well. I you think it's still... only about five years of activity for them. Yeah. Uh, and even so, like, the... Um... Creedence Clearwater Revisited is still touring, and if I remember correctly from seeing them last year at Medicine Hat Stampede, remember when concerts were a thing? I miss concerts so much. Right? Uh, we see uh, Creedence Clearwater Revisited was there, and I believe it, they still have two of the original band members. Yeah, but I think it was the drummer and the bassist, right? Yes, of course. Fogarty, like, left super early, and that was basically the downfall of CCR. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like the the last album that they did, it was the it was the one album where John Fogarty did not have complete creative control and he got pissed. Exactly. And yeah, the the other two guys not exactly the strongest of songwriters. No. And then yeah, as as we all know the rest of the story, that was the end of CCR as we knew it. Yeah. Let's see, going further down the chart, Tom Jones, Love Me Tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I completely forgot about this one, because when I think Tom Jones, I don't think Love Me Tonight. No, it's either What's New Pussycats or... She's a Lady. Yeah, she she's a lady, that's a good one. Um, oh, and it's not unusual. Yes. Yes. Um, good old Carlton. <laughs> Also, I think I might have found the weirdest of uh, of song titles on this chart. Poke Give it Salad to me. Annie. Oh. Number 22. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a strange one by a guy named Tony Joe White. Yeah. Never heard of this guy before. Uh, no. No. Uh, the Beatles also make an appearance at number 27 with Get Back. Not only that, but we also got Elvis Presley and the Rolling Stones mm-hmm. on right around sandwiched them. over top of them. That that's so weird. Like, cause I don't know. When I think of the Rolling Stones and Elvis, it almost like feels like completely separate eras. And I just I, I don't know why, but I can't picture them existing at the same time. Yeah. Uh at the same time though, this was like the one of the peak times for the British invasion, right? Yeah. Uh, the the mid to late 60s was super huge for British invasion. And that's why you see um, groups like the Beatles and the Stones getting mixed in with Elvis Presley. And even, you know, some of the, the Canadian artists you saw on this chart, like Andy Kim. And uh, you look at the Guess Who Laughing is at number 31, for that matter. So it's kind of just this this mixture of what was popular in North America, plus the start of the British invasion all coming into play. Exactly. Oh, this is really interesting. Two songs by the same artist back-to-back. Number 32 and number 33, uh, both by Smokey Robson and the Miracles. Yes. Uh, Doug on right at 32, Abraham Martin and John at 33, and if you look two spots down at 35, Abraham Martin and John by Moms Mabley. <laughs> that is weird. Right? But it also just goes to show, like, potentially how localized music scenes were back in the day. And there was covers of covers of covers of covers. Exactly. 
Jackie DeShannon was there too at number 34 with Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Yeah. I also see James Brown popping up at the same time with the same song. We got uh, The Popcorn at number 37 and going up Mother Popcorn, <laughs> which I that that confuses me. Right? Yeah. Like, are they are they the same song? Are they different? Uh, well, do, the Mother Popcorn need... was a part one, so maybe the popcorn was part two? <laughs> maybe. Maybe the popcorn was the B-side. Oh, there we go. That's an idea. Uh, you still get that... Um, this is the time too where all the charts still molded together. So you do get the the country uh, aspect to it with a boy named Sue from Johnny Cash debuted this week at number forty two in nineteen sixty nine. One of my favorite Cash songs too, and written by Shel Silverstein. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and let's see, going down the charts a little bit more. Oh, we have another cover, Booker T and the MGs covering mrs robinson ah yes number 52 yeah i think that was off the green onions album have you ever heard that one not in its entirety okay of, it's, of course. it's great in its entirety okay and the green onions instrumental you've probably heard it sampled on a couple of different songs too i've heard i've heard the instrumental for it for sure yeah uh, also on here you know we've got um what was I looking at? Oh, the Young Bloods get together at number forty-four, and JJ Jackson with "But It's All Right" at number forty-five. Yeah, that's like, also that's a good song. Oh yeah, both great songs. Yeah, I kind of feel like I've seen like Young Blood or some variation of that pop up in every decade somehow. Yeah, I, I, and even so, like, um, get together has been covered. Uh, I think most recently, I want to say it was done in the 90s as ter in terms of popularity. But it was there nonetheless, I think. Yeah. Uh, going down the charts a little bit more, we got Bob Dylan at number 56 with Lay Lady Lay, which I think is one of his best songs. I would I would tend to agree with you on that yeah. one. Because he doesn't do this thing with his voice. <laughs> uh some uh, some more songs down uh, further on the chart. These ones uh, have confusing titles because they're so similar. Number 65, Clarence Carter, The Feeling is Right. And then number 69, Joe Cocker, Feeling All Right. Nice. <laughs> every time. Every, every time. time. <laughs> this is what I have to deal with. Another cover at number 71 as well, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay from Sergio Mendez and Brazil 66. I don't think I've even heard that version yet. Like, I, I know the original, and it's great. Of course. But can't, I can't what uh, else go wrong with, with the Otis Redding. Mm -hmm. And number 76, Birthday, Underground Sunshine. Weird one. Yeah, right yeah. Getting, getting tossed in there just at random. Yeah. Oh, number 85, I'm Free by The Who. Yes, yes. This is still another, very early on in the Who. Yeah, another band that I just like completely forget to kind of associate with that era because I don't know. For, for me, when I think of the Who, I think of mostly their '70s output, mm -hmm. yeah, like stuff like Tommy, and I don't know when did the Who sellout come out. Yeah, but that would have been in the seventies for sure. <laughs> yeah, like I I don't know why I just I don't associate the Who with the sixties, even though they are like one of the biggest bands to come out of the sixties. And that wasn't even their biggest hit of the sixties. 
Yeah. I, I would I if I'm remembering correctly, it would have been my generation, I think. Yeah. Or squeeze box. One of the two. Yeah. Oh, and coming in at number ninety one, new on the chart that week, the Archies, again also related to Andy Kim because he wrote this one, Sugar Sugar. Also Canadian content right there. I keep forgetting that it's CanCon. <laughs> like, when you think the Archies, like, isn't that like, wasn't that like brought into like the whole, the Riverdale universe, like the Archie comics back then? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, and even so, like in, um, I think it was the first season of Riverdale, they used that song, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So, I mean, it, it's there, but because Andy Kim was one of the writers on it, it was considered CanCon. And I think, that I might be wrong with this one, I think it might have been before it was up to two out of the four on the Maple chart. Probably. And, and so everything was grandfathered in that if you had one out of the four elements... It was automatically considered CanCon from before a certain date. I'm actually kind of curious how many songs would no longer be considered CanCon if the CRTC got rid of that rule. And I'm not you, saying they should. Yeah, but it just make, it makes me so curious. And I, I think there's a push now to open it up to allow for more CanCon. Um, because it's so dumb that in this day and age, you got artists like Sean Mendez and Justin Bieber, who first made it big here in Canada. And now they're recording all of their music in the States with co a bunch of co-writers on them. And all of a sudden now it's not considered CanCon because it has maybe one and a half of the four elements. Yeah. But at the same time. It also leaves room for newer artists to kind of come in. But the trouble is there really haven't been that many artists to step up to the plate. And that's why the idea is also out. And I've heard this talked about in so many radio podcasts and whatnot um, is adding the emerging category that maybe is worth a couple extra um, points or one and a half instead of one to try to entice uh emerging artists airplay on the radio yeah maybe one day when we both become music directors we can like push for it a little more <laughs> uh yeah that that someday <laughs> someday <laughs> someday other than that the rest of the list uh, it kind of i i don't want to say foreign to me but it is a little bit yeah it's like it's still so much before my time that I don't know. I feel like it's still going to take a little bit more time to maybe give some of these songs the respect they deserve. I'm sure there are like a lot of hid hidden gems, but you know, aside from the already recognizable songs, just doesn't feel like there's much here. No, exactly. So yeah. Zagger and Evans in the year 2525, still the number one. No, I'd agree with you on that one. Uh, yeah. just, I would say My Sharia Moore or Sweet Caroline should have had that spot. I was going to put my vote towards Sweet Caroline because that is, I would say, by far the most popular song on this whole chart. Oh, 100%. Like, it's the song that everyone would know. And yeah, it's just, even though it's 
overplayed in some circles, I would kind of classify it as like one of those songs that I would consider just perfect. The next episode I'm working on is all about musical theater and how it connects to music history and pop culture at large. And I also want to have a conversation on how we can support theater in a time when none of us should really be going out in general. While you wait for that, I want to help get that inner theater nerd out that's been laying dormant the last few months. After you watch Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, go listen to the Hamilton mixtape. It takes a lot of the big songs from the musical and has this really great variety of bands and artists reinterpreting the songs. Sia, The Roots, Nas, Usher, Ben Folds, Regina Spector, Chance the Rapper, and John Legend really bring in their great voices into these songs. Plus, there's a few songs that were written for Hamilton, but unused that went into the Hamilton mixtape, including a third cabinet battle. If you are obsessed with Wizard of Oz, checking out the soundtrack for Wicked is a definite must, especially the deluxe edition of the soundtrack, which includes a bonus disc of some of the songs that are covered by other artists and cast members from performances outside of English-speaking countries. There are a couple German versions of some of the songs, a couple of Japanese versions that sound amazing, and Mika and Ariana Grande singing popular song, and doing a really amazing job with that too. The Phantom of the Opera cast recording is essential listening to if you're a fan of musical theater. Great for newcomers to theater and enthusiasts alike. Also really good for rock fans, wanting to branch out a little bit more too. When you play this soundtrack, make sure you play it on some speakers and play it loud. We got more album suggestions and finding more ways to connect music together coming up next week. While you wait, check out some of the other episodes, tell your friends, and follow The Tim Gavin Show on Facebook. Links to social media in the description, and make sure that you give The Tim Gavin Show a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Additional production by Scott Mitchell, and I'm Tim Gavin. Talk to you next time.